0: Each of us can contribute meaningful change in the world. As servant leaders in a global society, it's what we as Sitting Hall devote our hearts, minds and spirits to each day. If you are looking for a path where your passion and interest in shaping the world will be taken seriously, then this is the place for you. Take the next step and register at an information session connect live with our representatives at an upcoming webinar and learn more about how our customizable graduate programs can help you reach your professional goals. Please check the link in the podcast description.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Unscripted. I am Banja Damilola.
0: Hi, I'm Mikaeli Ochukogu. On our menu in this episode are UK signature briefings, the rejected proposal by African leaders for a de-escalation of the Russia-Ukraine war, events in Sudan, and a sticky note on UK's immigration bill. Ambassador James Kariyuki, the UK's Deputy Permanent Representative to the United Nations, was with us last year. He returns to share Britain's plans for July. We are also joined by Evelyn Neopold, A veteran journalist covering the United Nations for over two decades.
1: Um, Once again, thank you, Ambassador, uh, for speaking with us. Again, I mean, uh, last year um, we had a really long conversation ahead of your uh, country's presidency. Yeah. What will the UK uh, be talking about this time around?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, um, it's good to speak to you. And uh, it seems to come around very quickly, uh, uh, 15 months, I think, since um, we did it last April. Um, so again, this year, uh, we'll be using our presidency to focus on um, the greatest threats to global peace and security uh, of today, uh, but also of of tomorrow. And we will be using our leadership of the Council both to defend the principles of the Charter in the context of uh, war in Ukraine, um, but also to uh, rally international cooperation around future technologies. We're now in the 17th month of the illegal invasion of Ukraine by Russia, a war of aggression, uh, and we will um, clearly be um, using one of our main uh, ministerial events, signature events, to look at the situation in Ukraine. Um, so on the 17th of July, the Foreign Secretary will chair meetings. Our Minister, our Foreign Secretary, will come to New York on the 17th and 18th of July. Uh, he will chair a briefing on Ukraine, uh, and that will follow various other high-level engagements um, that have been taking place, such as the Ukraine Recovery Summit in London uh, and the recent NATO Summit, as well as, obviously, the events of the last, um, the last few days and what that means. Um, and we expect um, Foreign Minister Kuleba uh, and a number of other foreign ministers to take part in that ministerial council meeting on the 17th of July. And then on the 18th of July, um, the foreign secretary will still be here and he will chair um, a briefing on artificial intelligence. So this will be the first time the council discusses AI uh, formally on its agenda. Uh, and what we want to do is have a, a serious discussion on the opportunities and risks of AI uh, and on the way in which, through inclusive international cooperation, we can promote its safe and responsible use. Uh, and for that meeting, we'll invite the Secretary General um, to brief, along with two um, world experts on artificial intelligence. So those are the two main um, main events for us, uh, and our Foreign Minister will be in the chair
1: African leaders ended a two-day visit to Ukraine and Russia with no commitment to a ceasefire from either President Zelensky or President Putin. The African leaders pitched the idea of de-escalation to President Zelensky, which he rejected on the grounds that there can be no peace except Russia pulled out first. Following this visit, we ask Ambassador Kariuki, do you think maybe it's time for Ukraine to also show a willingness to negotiate a ceasefire? Because clearly, it's looking like the sanctioning of Russia and shaming of Russia are not exactly working.
2: Well, Ukraine wants peace. Um, that's very clear. But Ukraine is the one that's um, been been invaded and has had its territory. Uh, illegally uh, annexed by Russia, so I don't think um, it's for Ukraine to be, uh, to be the one that's um, uh, making a concession to it. And we are very clear, and Ukraine has been very clear, that um, uh, they want a peaceful outcome to this uh, this conflict. But it has to be a peaceful outcome in the terms of the UN UN Charter. And if you um, uh, if you think about how many countries in the General Assembly and those big votes we had last year rejecting the invasion, rejecting the annexation. Um, There's a a global majority um, in favor of um, peace, but not peace on Russia's terms, not peace that involves the annexation of territory that's been illegally uh, invaded. So we would like Russia to to withdraw uh, immediately. We've been saying that from the start. Ultimately, we can't force Russia to do that. Um, but I think we've seen uh, on the battlefield that um, Russia's Russia's legal war is not is not succeeding, and they are they are not taking territory; they are, they are now conceding territory.
0: Evelyn says there is still no templates for a peace plan in Ukraine, despite the moves by African leaders and China.
3: Well, it's very hard to come up with a peace plan. Um, Ukraine wants Russia off its territory and then they will negotiate. And Russia wants a peace plan, but that will mean staying in in Ukraine. They have 10% of the country already. There is no peace plan. It would be nice if someone had one that everyone accepted. But right now, there's no peace plan that's really in progress. Been several suggestions from African nations, from China. from Russia itself. But uh, the bottom line for the Ukrainians is every peace plan will mean that they will get their country back. In April, the UK blocked
1: Russia's ARIA Formula meeting to hear Moscow's explanation for reportedly moving Ukrainian kids into Russia. Quite frankly, your country has the right to... Uh, block the UN web webcast, but do you think blocking this meeting isn't some form of censorship in itself? Since uh, a majority of people around the world depend on this channel to know what's going on in the Security Council.
2: So, so look, we we support the area formula. Um, we do area meetings ourselves. We support the meetings of of others. They can be a useful format to have uh, a serious and meaningful. Um, debate. But what happened in that particular meeting is that Russia invited to brief a meeting of, of the UN, of the Council, uh, an individual, uh, their child commissioner, who had been indicted by the ICC for uh, her part in the abuse of the rights of children in armed conflict for um, deportation and links to abduction. And we, frankly, that's an abuse of, of the UN system. This is somebody who has been cited by a UN body uh, for war crimes. So we, we put up with lots of things uh, in briefings from Russia. Um, but at some point, there's a, there's a limit. And we were very clear that they had drawn the line. They also tried to bring briefers into the council, um, which have been rejected on the basis that a majority of um, countries, they, could, they couldn't get the vote have their briefers brief the council, um, a representative of one of the uh, the so-called annexed provinces. So in that case, because you need to have a positive vote in the council to bring a briefer in, um, the briefers were blocked. So our view on um, this UN Web TV is that the UN website shouldn't be used to carry Russian propaganda from somebody who has been indicted as a war criminal.
0: The UK has, as Ambassador Kariuki hinted, pushed for peace in Ukraine on Ukrainian terms. But a recent report by Chatham House suggests that weapon systems supplied to Ukraine by the West are just enough to help the country survive. What is your assessment on that report? Do you think it's accurate?
2: You know, different experts have different opinions. We um, we're providing um, uh, assistance to Ukraine because we think Ukraine has the right to defend itself uh, under the UN Charter. Um, a lot of countries are doing the same and we are going to support Ukraine to do the job it needs to do. It will be, you know, the strength of their um, uh, their efforts on the ground and the willingness of uh, Russia to engage in meaningful peace on the basis of um, international, international boundaries and law that will bring this uh, war to an end. We don't want this to be Um, uh, an ongoing fight. We want it to be settled peacefully, but it will only be settled peacefully if Ukraine has the means to defend itself and if Russia recognizes international borders.
4: We'll be right back. Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Now, back to the show. The
1: UK's illegal migration bill has been several years in the making and it is now in the House of the Lords. There are some potentially sticky clauses in the proposed legislature that is contradictory with Britain's international human rights obligations. The EU, the High Commissioner for Human Rights and bishops have rallied against the provision of this bill. Ambassador, as a defender of UK's foreign policy, what do you think about um, the clause on ignoring the court on human rights um, injunction to defer deportation of migrants?
2: Well, I don't, I don't recognise that description, and I don't really think it's um, it's a piece of Security Council business, which which is what we're here to talk about. There's a bill in the UK Parliament, which is a part of our, our migration policy. Um, we are uh, following um, a policy uh, of returns, which we're not the only country that does that, uh, and we will continue to, to you know to in, implement that policy in line with our international um, obligations. And so, uh, but I don't think it's really um. Uh, what we're talking
0: about today. Refugees are continuing to pour into Chad from Western Darfur, following the murder of its governor in June. Echoes of ethnic cleansing committed by the Janjaweed in the early two thousands are resurfacing. There are four countries um, international experts believe have an influence over Sudan: really, UK, who colonized Sudan, the US, Saudi Arabia, and UAE. And this quarter of countries ignored. Burhan and Dagalu when they teamed up to plot a coup against and effectively remove the UN-backed transitional government in 2022, should the UK or the Security Council feel any culpability for not reacting in 2022? Was that like a precursor to what's playing out now? What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I don't recognise that um, description at all. I mean, in 2022, um, I was actually in Africa in Mali when the, when the coup took place, uh, and we very quickly. Um, the UK, as the penholder on Sudan, organised a very rapid UN Security Council response in terms of our public positions. And we have consistently, as UK, um, as, um, as a council member, rejected the coup against Hamdok, who we supported, and pushed parties towards a political transition. And we have been supporting consistently from the start of this crisis, supporting the efforts of the Security Council the African Union, the African Union, and sorry the, the efforts of the UN, the African Union uh, and IGAD, what the so, so called tripartite mechanism, to support and encourage a transition from these generals uh, towards the civilian government, and that was the uh, transition that was being driven up until the latest outbreak of violence. There were other members of the council who were much less willing to call out Um, the coup than we were Uh, and there are some who've been more tolerant of the slow progress of transition in Sudan. but it's certainly not the uk who have held back
0: the reports from western darfur take evelyn back to the genocidal days of the janjaweed
3: well the security council is divided but they have put out statements condemning the fighting without taking sides one way or another and darfur Hurts me very much because I was there the days of the january. Uh, I went with a security council on um, a uh, trip there. And I just remember this huge refugee camp or anyway, displaced people where they were locked in, crowded in at a horrible time. And you would have thought all these years later that Darfur had come to some kind of an agreement, but it hasn't. And it's the same story between people who want to farm and those who want to graze their cattle. And uh, it. I, I'm, nobody, the UN tried; they they've had all sorts of missions and peacekeepers and whatnot, but it starts all over again. And part of the Janjaweed is, has been integrated into the, uh, the fighters, the ones fighting in
0: too. So the Wimbledon Open Strokes Off on July 3 is the same day that the UK will begin its presidency in the Security Council. And they have a very packed schedule. But when time permits, Ambassador Kariuki would hope that he can escape to Central Park to practice his forehand and backhand shots
1: um the last time we spoke um you said you're trying to create more time to enjoy the city of new york more how is that going for you really
2: <laughs> well i'm in london at the moment i'm um, enjoying my uh hometown but um Look, it's a a tough job, and we're really busy. And as well as all the things on the Security Council, I'm also working in the mission to um, uh, advance our work on sustainable development goals. Uh, I'm supporting the work of our team on uh, reform and budget issues in the Fifth Committee. Um, So it's a really busy job, and um, uh, luckily I've got a great team uh, a fine boss uh, in Barbara Woodward, PR, and a great team um, supporting. Uh, and so, you know, occasionally I get a little bit of time for some, for some free time. Um, uh, I've been playing a bit of tennis in Central Park, so that's, uh, that's one of the things that I uh, do to wind down. But um, so no, New York's a great city, and um, uh, we work hard, but we do find time to uh, enjoy it as well.
0: That's how we draw the curtain on this episode of Unscripted. We've been speaking with Ambassador James Kariuki, the UK's Deputy Permanent Representative to the United Nations, and Evelyn Neopold, a journalist who has been covering the multilateral body for over two decades now. This episode was presented by Damilola Banjo and Kelechuku Ogo. Kelechukwu Ogo was the producer. Sound was by Poddington Bear and Sound Effects Facility. The editor is Dulcie Lineback. Unscripted is made possible with support from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the Open Society Foundation, and you, our generous readers. If you liked this edition, please follow us on all your podcast platforms and rate us on
3: iTunes.